This episode of Sage May Speaks is brought to you by We Audition. If you've got an audition or just need to practice and need a professional actor to read with, head over to weaudition.com. You can also make money by becoming a reader. Be sure to use code SAGE25 to get 25% off your membership. Welcome back to this week's episode of Sage May Speaks. I'm Sage May. Hearing about our guest this week's experience was actually a dream come true. She's been on so many iconic sets, and when I say iconic, I mean iconic. I am talking Titanic, How I Met Your Mother, Parks and Rec, and so many more. She has even more exciting roles coming up, and we're going to talk about those. She also has a great grasp on keeping a good mindset as an actor. I'm super excited to chat with her. Please welcome Rebecca Klingler. Rebecca, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I love the podcast. I'm a fan. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So I was just saying that you have a super cool resume. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I was just saying I've been at it for a while. So you hope to accumulate some stuff along the way. That is the goal. Yes. <laughs> right. So what have you been doing during COVID, how has it been as an actor? Uh, you know, it's actually not been bad. Um, at the beginning, um, especially, I was actually recovering from a broken arm. Oh, no. So in a way, it came at a good time because I was, uh, it was hard for me to go to auditions. It was, it was kind of a bad break and I was, um, I was, I was in pain and it took me a while to recover. And then, um, I started uh, doing self-tapes and uh, I, I, you know, I've just been getting better at self-tapes and they're really pretty fun. And I realized that, um, you know, we as actors, this is kind of a benefit because it gives us some more control. And uh, I've been enjoying that, but I also am pivoting a little bit in my career. I've been, um, writing. So I've been taking a couple of writing classes at UCLA Extension and that's been, um, you know, because I'm a novice, it's been uh, kind of occupying a lot of my time. That's great. What are you writing about? Well, um, it's kind of a sequel to the web series that I, that I did, that I dropped, like, when was that? 2016. Um, even though it's the same character, same title, but it's also a lot different. My, my character ends up, uh, I decided to place it actually in, uh, during this time. Wow. Because it's such, a, as we say, it's such an unprecedented time. <laughs> as uh, they say. Um, right? They say. Um, but, um, my character goes back to her hometown. And um, so that's uh, it, rather than staying in LA. So it's kind of a what if um, scenario. Like, you know, those of us who didn't grow up in the city, you know, who lived someplace, who grew up someplace else, I think all of us have that, like, wow, what, what would it be like to be back in my, in my hometown? And um, this plays that out. Yeah, that's so cool. Awesome. So what have you learned about self-taping that you've gotten good at? Well, I think the thing about self-taping is, first of all, 
it's just really, it, it's fun to play around with lighting. My apartment is actually pretty good for lighting. It's just a matter of finding, you can sort of see my, no, maybe you can't, you can see my posts back nice. here. <laughs> my husband and I are gonna bring something up so that we have something a little bit more accessible. But the biggest thing I took away with, and this is interesting, as long as I've been doing, as long as I've been acting, you know, you can always learn more. And I, I recently did a part on an Apple TV series. Wow. Um, it's, I think by the time this airs, it'll probably, well, it's, it's the morning show. <gasps> Apple is very, very secretive, but it's the morning show. Is it uh, the new season? It's a new season. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that show. I'm no, so excited. It's so embarrassing. I haven't watched it yet. But I'm gonna, <laughs> you have to. You'll I'm love describe. it. What I learned from that, they, it was, uh, the, the scene was a talk show, like the talk, yeah. you know? Um, and they gave me a choice of two different characters. And one of the characters was, I thought, closer to who I am. And the other one was the kind of character that I'm usually cast as. So I decided to, that I would do the one that I feel closest to. And uh, then I thought, you know, I'm gonna do both these characters. Yeah. So I did one take with the, the character that I was closest to and then, and then I did the other one. And, and for the next file that I sent in, I went ahead and edited. And so I, I did both characters back to back. So it looked like we were in the same scene. Wow. Because why not? Isn't that we, what we all want to do as actors? We, we want to play everything. We, you know, we want to play all characters. And it was, it was my chance to do it. And I, I worked really hard on it, probably too long, but I didn't care because it was just, it was fun. I was having a good time. I was playing. And then I kind of forgot about it. Uh, you know, I looked at both of them and I thought, yeah, this is really fun. And when I sent them in, I sent them directly to the casting director and I sent the first one. And then I said, just for fun, you know, I sent the second one. And lo and behold, weeks later, I got pinned for the second character. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> and, and then I ended up getting it. And it, that was, I think, a huge lesson for me. You know, I, I'm, I guess I'm kind of a late bloomer, but it reminded me that to always go back to that sense of play as an artist. And I think that's what we can do. Self-taping, you have more control. You know, you can, uh, you can do that kind of thing. And, um, and I had a great time doing it. And I, I also was able to watch myself. And for some reason, I thought, oh my gosh, this is, I get cast in it, even though this is not really who I am, this is who I get cast as, and I need to capitalize on that. Yeah. So did you, you got cast as the one that you usually get cast as or the other one? I got cast as the one that I'm usually cast oh. as, but it's not really like me. At least I don't think it's like me. It's usually, but then I look I looked at my reel after that and I thought, oh yeah, all my characters are kind of like this. They're, uh, <laughs> they're kind of uptight, conservative, um, a little affected yeah. and smooth. Yeah, but you yeah. don't seem like that at all. That's so cool. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, yeah, I, I, that. I, <laughs> but for some reason, there are always variations on that character. So, you know, and it's, and it's kind of, you know, it's a good thing to, to know as an actor. What's yeah. your bread and butter? And then you can 
totally not bad (laughs) i'm so excited for that though i love that show it looks great i mean when i was on the set i thought oh man yeah Yeah. i have to watch this and it's directed by uh oh my gosh her name is escaping me now darn it anyway (laughs) she she directed on the basis of sex uh the film about rbg she's really good that is yeah. so cool. And the cast is insane. Like Steve Carell, like Jennifer cast. Aniston. Like, um, amazing. Yes. yes. That's so Steve cool. Steve Carell, Billy Crudup. Mm-hmm. Congrats really on that. That's huge. Thank you. Thanks. Speaking of iconic sets and iconic people, you have been on a few iconic sets, such as Titanic, right. <laughs> which is like, what? <laughs> yeah. So what was that like, that whole experience? Um, it was like nothing I have experienced since or <laughs> before. It was only the third film I'd ever done. Uh, it was the it was the first year I had moved to LA, which was back in 1996. And um, the casting I was cast like in June, I think. I was cast in June, but I didn't shoot until. November, you know, I knew it was kind of a big deal. Uh, but in the meantime, I was really broke and not knowing, you know, how I was going to survive uh, from week to week. But um, then when I went, the casting director said, uh, you're scheduled for four days, but pack for two weeks because they're, they're really behind. Wow. So <laughs> packed for two weeks. That sounds like right now a little bit. Oh yeah, it yeah actually it does. Everything is so behind, but nothing I don't think is quite as. Uh, I think at the time it was the most expensive film ever done, and I'm not sure that I'm not sure that a director would would be able to get away with what James Cameron was able to do at the time. <laughs> he he really did get away with a lot, and um, so anyway, I ended up being there not just two weeks, but about two and a half months. Wow, and, uh, what? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So the, the cool thing about it was that uh, I got to meet a lot of people from all over the world. I was one of the few Americans and um, they were mostly English and Irish and they had stunt people from Mexico and Poland and all over the world. So it was, a lot of fun being on the set and um i i think i shot my scene the, like the second night i was there and i was on the hydraulic lift i don't know if i think that's famous it's, it's when the ship is going up 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 like that you know it's um, vertical i'm at the top of the ship <gasps> and then you know just before it sinks wow and, um, yeah it was it was kind of cool and that's then so cool I think a month after that, six weeks later, they moved the hydraulic lift into a sound stage, and then they shot my death scene, which was really great. But then they cut it. No. They cut, they cut it. Oh. Um, yeah. Jim said it was. He said it was too horrific. So <laughs> I had a, I, yeah, I had a child in my arms, and the child gets pulled out of my arms. So I get it. But. Yeah, that would have been a lot. But that's cool footage, like. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I wish I could have gotten it, but yeah. when I well, when I called a lightstorm to see if I could, they laughed at me. Oh, what <laughs> you gonna do? 
<laughs> yeah what are you gonna do just tell people about it that's yeah. about all you can so cool oh, I love that so I want to hear your story how did you get into acting oh you know I think like most of us I probably had always wanted to be an actor you know I think all of us are like little performers as as kids and I, I grew up in a really small town in Indiana in a big family. I'm in the middle of seven children. So I think, you know, there's something to that of, you know, doing what you can to get attention. Um, like a lot, of, uh, a lot of people in my generation, I think I was a TV junkie. I was influenced by it. I, I, and I think it has, the shows that I watched have definitely influenced my sense of humor and, um, the kind of the kind of storytelling that I want to do, um, you know. I watched. I mean, Andy Griffith's The Andy Griffith Show will probably be forever my my favorite show, just because it's a really it's so character driven, and um, that certainly has has fed the kind of thing that I that I'm drawn to. It's just these crazy kind of a sense of humor that I'm still attracted to. And I, I can see it coming out in my writing as a, now that I'm kind of shifting gears a little bit. Uh, so then I, I mean, I, I went into, you know, I, I did school plays like most of us. And then I became a theater major. Nice. <laughs> what else was I going to do? <laughs> you know, that, that's really kind of what I boiled down to. I wasn't a great student and I came from an academic family. So um, you know, it was a, a kind of a way of being, uh, like, you know, even though I sucked as a student, I could, I could be on stage. That's so cool. I love it. You were in LA, right? I'm in LA. Uh -huh. Okay. So when did you make that transition? Well, interestingly, it was a, a, a circuitous route getting here. Um, I, when I graduated from college, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And um, I'd been interested in social change and political activism. And um, after, after college, I joined a, a dinner theater company that just was a dismal experience. And so when I finished that, I think that was a five month tour, uh, I became uh, sort of a professional political activist. That's so cool. And I, that took me to New Hampshire. Yeah, it was a door-to-door -door fundraiser for, for sort of um, consumer activist groups. And uh, it took me to New Hampshire. And there, when I finally left, left that, you know, realizing that this really wasn't what I wanted to do with my life, um, I started doing little theater jobs in New Hampshire. And um, then I, I auditioned for some regional, what was it called? The North northeastern regional theater conference i think that was it and um i became part of a uh it was a, a, sh a theater in memphis called theater on the square and i got to play peter pan which was like a lifelong dream i had always wanted to play peter pan uh, i got to play stella in streetcar um i was in noises off it was it was a, my first time actually doing repertory theater. It was so much fun and just to be able to play so many characters. But I had been uh, acquainted with a company in San Francisco that combined my two loves uh, of political activism and acting. It's a, a company called the, the San Francisco Mime Troupe. 
and it's not silent mime, but it's a political musical theater based in Commedia dell'arte. It was really cool. It was uh, very stylized. Uh, it was like, you know, it was like living cartoons and political satire. And again, I got to play so many different characters, like in one show, you know, we were just like, we would run off stage, throw off our costumes, put on another wig, <laughs> put on more costumes, run on stage. I mean, you know, it was a theater actor's dream in so many ways. Cause again, you got to just play so many characters. Uh, and I was there for six years. Basically, I wanted to challenge myself as a, as a, a film and television actor. I, I, I'm doing this gesture, meaning the screen, you know. Um, because there was something, I love broad theater, but there's something about film and television, the intimacy of it, to be able to convey something without overacting, which is, I think, my challenge, but to, to bring this sense of belief into this little space, because it doesn't, you know, just because it's, you're always walking this line, you, you have to think thoughts, you have to do something. And at the same time, you don't do anything. You just think the thoughts. It's very challenging. It's hard. Yes, it is. And I, um, I did my first, I was cast in my first film in San Francisco. I was in the movie Copycat with Holly Hunter and Sigourney Weaver. I played the serial killer's wife. And um, then I, I thought, I really need to, I need to get to L.A. It was uh, kind of, I wanted to pursue this artistic challenge. And uh, so I got, I, I packed everything that I had into my Nissan Sentra. And uh, I had $300. That was it. And I, as soon as I got there, the day after I arrived, I put an acting class on my credit card. And like three months later, I was cast in my first, uh, my second two films. I was cast in LA Confidential and uh, Titanic. That's so cool. I feel like it's always the big risk takers with like $300 or less in their bank accounts. Just like, I'm going to do it, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it is a little crazy now that I'm older. You know, sometimes when you're as an older person, you look back and you think, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? But if you know how hard it's going to be, you, you wouldn't do it. You know, you just have to, you just have to kind of, you go with your gut, you go with your dream. And that's what I did. That's great. Great yeah. advice. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the Calamities of Jane, which is so uh -huh. cool. And you're doing a little sequel now, apparently. <laughs> So I'm what's that like, it. and what is it about, and uh, what did you learn on set, and all that fun stuff? Oh, man, well, you know, I did the Calamities of Jane. That, that actually came out of an on-camera class that I, I did. Uh, one of the teachers that I had at, at the school that I first enrolled in when I came here um, decided to do an on-camera class. For this very reason, because, you know, so many of us were, we were doing things in class on stage, but again, you know, you can use some of the same technique, but when you're on camera, you know, you still, you still have to make strong choices, but it's, it's just more intimate. With this class, we basically made four, four or five, five, six shorts. 
Wow. With certain uh, parameters, all starring ourselves. You know, the first one was a personal monologue, which was, you know, where we're just telling some kind of story that's personal to us. We had to do take a character out into public. And then we had to do, I think, as our final project, we had to target somebody that we wanted to work with. And um, I've always, I'm a big Coen Brothers fan. I, I love the Coen Brothers because in some ways they're, uh, in some ways their comedy is broad. It's, it's sort of a broad comedy, but, it, it, but again, it has, when it's shot, you know, it has the intimacy of that film brings. And I just, I study their films. I study the actors and the casting. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to target the Coen brothers, and out of that came this kind of silly scene where I bring this character in to visit a casting director, and I do, <laughs> I do these silly lines. <laughs> now it's really funny when I think about it. I do these silly lines all in, with different, <laughs> with different Coen brothers characters. It was so silly. It was so funny. I, I still kind of laugh when I watch it because it's it's so silly. You know, I do this ridiculous. Uh, I do this ridiculous um, Minnesotan accent, and then I do a southern accent, and just they're ridiculous. But um, anyway, I uh, I sent that into them. Of course, I never heard anything. But uh, the woman that I was working with. Uh, we decided to do this and I, I enlisted the help of a couple of people that I went to college with at the University of Evansville uh, in Indiana. And uh, we developed this web series that ended up being about an hour and a half total with 11 episodes. And it's very loosely based on my life as, uh, well, at the time I was 50, as a 50 year old actress in LA facing age discrimination and uh, dating and uh, sexual harassment and you know all, all kinds of things but in a with a comic twist and um, it was probably one of the most artistically fulfilling times of my life. I, well I learned about writing and timing and editing you know that the rhythm of editing I think I'm a better actor as a result because I can give an editor more to work with being on that side. Uh, it was an invaluable experience, but I uh, also realized how much I didn't know. Oh. Yeah, you know, that's, you know, but sometimes you just have to jump in and do it before you, you figure that out. This business is all on the job training. It's totally. all on the job. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So are you able to watch that anywhere? I would love to watch yes. it. Yes. Yes. Uh, just go to thecalamitiesofjane.com. All right. Thank you. I love it. I'm going to, I'll tune in after this. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. I, you know what? I think I'm going to re-release it. I'm going to. You should. I've been thinking about that. Like, why not? Yeah, why you not? Know? What else yeah. is going on? Yeah. And I feel like people have so much time right now to like just watch right. things, you know? might be a good time to do it and they're Definitely only is. the episodes are like between i don't know four and seven minutes long you know so it's well cool. i'll be watching it <laughs> oh nice nice to know <laughs> do you have um tips for those trying to create work you said you didn't know a lot of stuff that you wish you knew so 
What do you wish you knew? Wait, that's a good, what do I wish I, I, I mean, I had no idea how to produce. I really had no idea. And I didn't know, um, I, I think the big thing is I didn't know about insurance. I mean, like I really wanted, I wanted it to be a SAG, a SAG job. So I wanted it to be a new media project. And um, I didn't, I, I hired a producer, but I didn't really know what his job was. Um, my director hired his, uh, a friend who was a camera operator and had his own company. And so we used his insurance. A lot of, a lot of things about production I didn't know. And SAG has so much information about uh, how to do your own, how to do your own production. If I had to do it over again, I would, rather than just letting it go to everybody else, like you, you figure it out. You figure it out. I don't know. I'm just the actor. I'm just the writer. Yeah. But, but I also put everything together, but I just didn't know what I was doing. And it would have been helpful to have uh, the guidance that is available. Because SAG, SAG wants you to work. They want people to work. And I wanted to pay my actors. So, you know, that was all really important to me. If you're paying actors, they want to do everything they can to, to help you get it up. I love it. You have been in so many shows that I love, like Hot in Cleveland and Shameless and How I Met Your Mother and everything. And <laughs> so what was your favorite project that you'd worked on? Man, How I Met Your Mother was really fun. That was, uh, uh, that episode was an all-star cast that plays a lot. Michael York was in it, um, Peter Bogdanovich. And, um, oh my gosh, I'm so bad at, I'm so awful. The leading actor's <laughs> name, the guy. No Gosh. worries. Jason Siegel. No, ja oh, he was so nice. Aww. He was such a nice guy. I've heard he's lovely from several yeah. people, actually. <laughs> Very complimentary, you know, Aww. like he went out of his way. Like there was something that I did in in the take that the director nixed, but um, but it was kind of funny. And uh, And, you know, he went out of his way to say, hey, you know, you're really funny. And that was, you didn't have to say that. That was really sweet yeah, of him. Sweet. Um, no, Josh Radner. But my scene was with him. He's, you know, that was the fun thing. Oh yeah, also Will Schwartz was on that. Will Schwartz and um, Ariana Huffington. Will Schwartz of the Puzzle Master on NPR. It was a great, it was a fun, a fun show. But Josh Radner, it was so fun to watch him because he had to learn Dante's Inferno in Italian. Well, oh my gosh. And that was hard. Yeah. That was really hard. That was part of the script. And he was, uh, he had an Italian coach on set. And you know, he had some, uh, he had the sub, he had um, the teleprompter. And um, you know, so he did have that, but it was, it was fun to watch him work. Cause you know, he's, he's an artist. He really knows what he's doing. So that was really cool. But I, but probably the most fun I had was, was doing hot in Cleveland because, oh my gosh, Betty White. I mean, <laughs> wow. I love her. She is just a slam dunk performer. Yeah. You know, she's so effortlessly funny and um, and what a great cast that was. And I got to sit next to, for the entire week, I got to sit next to um, George Takei. Wow. I mean, he's, and that was 
so much fun too. And he was in the middle of producing his Broadway musical that I don't think lasted very long, but you know, it's based on his, on his life, um, the history of his family being interned um, during World War II. So that was, that was fascinating. And at one point, Betty White and Wendy Malick, I remember, were kind of giggling and staring at me. And she leaned over to me and she said, I'm not flirting with you. I just can't help thinking how much we look alike. I thought, ah, oh, oh, man, she made my day. <laughs> So cute. I'm not flirting with you. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. That's so cute. She's yeah, amazing. Awesome. She's amazing. I saw the picture of you guys. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> She's a sweetheart. And man, I mean, to be working uh, at that age and to be so sharp, it was another awe-inspiring moment. <laughs> Yet another one. Another one. Yeah. So since you've worked on so many cool projects, do you have any interesting failures in auditions or in other aspects relating to the industry? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) I know humiliating one, but no, it's, (laughs) it's good because you know what? We do have failures. Mm -hmm. We, we just do. And, um, you know, we have to be able to get up and, and, uh, and move forward and not, and not dwell on them. And I, you know, I, I have to admit that there were some times when I just, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? <laughs> but um, I do remember one time when Mally Finn, who is the casting director who cast me in a number of things, Titanic, LA Confidential, um, The Green Mile, uh, and, and a few other things, she had me in for some project and I'm not sure what was going on with me in my life, or maybe it was just the acting class I was taking. I'm not sure what it was, but, (laughs) but I was over the top, you know, I was really over the top. And I think, you know, you have a tendency to be over the top when you don't do the real work. And, and by that, you know, I mean, really asking yourself the, the right questions rather than thinking, Oh, I'm going to do this here and this, <laughs> orchestrating this whole outside scenario. Because sometimes as actors, we forget that, that that's not the work. And, um, and in the middle of my audition, the director, you know, and this is somebody who trusts Mally Finn and the people that she brings in, the, the director said, no, no, not that at all. Like, oh my gosh, it was, it was just, it was awful. It was pretty humiliating, but it was, you know, it was a good lesson. And, and that's the, the best thing that we can do with those experiences because they happen. You have to go, okay, <laughs> now back to the drawing board, as they say. Yeah. And relating to that, how do you keep the right mindset when being an actor, like being a human actor? <laughs> Yeah, that's a really, really good question, too. And I, I think it's really important to have some kind of spiritual practice. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you have to have, you have to maintain a, a certain amount of faith. And that means faith in, in yourself and faith in life. And uh, for me, I'm a, a Nichiren uh, SGI Buddhist, which makes 
not that's we we chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, and it's something that I do morning and evening. But it's a a way of it's it's you know unlike silent meditation, it's a, you do it with your eyes open and, and you chant, and it's a way of of connecting, which is really what being an artist is about. And there are a lot of a lot of artists practice Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, um, Herbie Hancock, um, Orlando Bloom. Um, uh, Tina Turner, you know, a lot, a lot of people practice it, but it's a way of really uh, connecting with all living things and also connecting to your highest potential, whatever that is. And, and we have a phrase in Buddhism, turn poison into medicine, so that even when you have those mishaps, or when it looks like you're in dire straits, when you're in the middle of a pandemic, you you create something, you know, you create value out of whatever you're given. And um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how I would have survived as an artist without that, because you have to, you have to have a, a kind of buoyancy to, um, to keep doing audition after audition and know that the job is there and not to be deflated and not to think I suck, but to just keep honing your craft and, and also honing yourself as a human being, because that's the other thing. I think as a younger person, I was always, um, you know, we think of gatekeepers and casting directors and agents as being, uh, above us or you know we're trying to figure out what it is that they want and really what they want is is a human being and, and somebody who, who can treat them like a human being because we do them a disservice when we put them above us you know we we do people a disservice when we put people below us and above us um we when we put people on a pedestal so when we can actually talk to them and let them know that we want to collaborate with them as fellow artists, then, uh, then you can't go wrong. Uh, you know, they'll keep you in mind for something else because they, they know that that's somebody that they want to work with, even if they don't cast you in this particular project. So I want to know what the first thing you do when you get a new side is for an audition. Aside from looking at the uh, my lines and the other lines, I'll always look at the lines that they X out before and after, you know, if I, if I don't get the entire script so I can figure out as much as possible what's going on. More and more, they're not sending scripts. I guess everybody is so secretive. So a lot of times you just have to make it up. Yeah. You, know, like you have to make up what's going on in this scene, even though it's sometimes completely unclear, especially that that project I just told you about is like yeah. what I had to list all of these people. I had no idea, but I just, I had to put a face with each of those people that I didn't know about. I had to come up with who they, who they were to me, even though I didn't know the context. And uh, I guess that's, that is how I work. I have to, and, and to know who it is that I'm talking to. That's really important. Even when you're doing a commercial, even when you're like, if you're looking into the camera, you still have to know, that's always the key. Who am I talking to? Even though well, I'm talking to the audience, but no, you're, that, that makes it too broad. You have to be really specific. 
So I have to be really specific about who that person, who the other person is in the scene with me. Do you have any specific method you use? Not necessarily. I think I've pulled from a lot of, of different places. The, the acting class that I enrolled in when I first came to LA, I have to say I was in that class about five years too long. I was in that <laughs> class about 10, 10 years. Wow. Um, yeah, it was a little too long. And I would say, this is just sort of a sidebar about acting classes. Um, I think a lot of acting classes have a lot to offer. And um, the, the, what we need to stay away from in the 21st century, because uh, I feel like there's a 20th century acting school and there's a 21st century. Yes. And, and I completely agree. Yes, you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you mean, yes. And I think there was an old school way of like really tearing down, like tearing down the ego. And yeah. um, and, and it's, it is important for actors to self-reflect and it's important for us to, you know, for, for teachers to be honest with us. But at the same time, you know, and, and of course we have to have tough skins as actors. But you don't want to get so tough that you lost <laughs> your sensitivity. Yeah. Because that's that vulnerability is what that's our gold. So if you have a teacher, I mean, I had one teacher who, you know, I just felt like shit for a long time because you know, he he tore me down so much. I didn't work for three years, for three years in that class. So that's just a note about about acting teachers. And then I but the last class I was in, I was in for five years, and I'll tell I'll tell you his name because I think he was he was uh, a good a good teacher, Stephen Book. Um, he wrote a book called uh, Book on Acting, and the thing I I think that's where I learned a real technique. As long as you learn a technique, and it almost you know, it, and it's the technique that's right for you. But technique is, is a way of you focusing. Because as actors, you know, we so, we trip up all the time thinking about how we look, what do they want? Thinking so much about the outside rather than being focused on what am I doing? What, what am I creating? Who am I talking to? You know, really asking yourself the real questions. So to find a technique, that does that, that focuses on your, on who you are as a character. Um, that is really important. One of Stephen Book's techniques actually um, went against a lot of things that we, that we've come to learn. And, you know, I will say there are no absolutes because every, there are exceptions to everything. We used to say, oh, never pantomime. In, a, in an audition. Well, you know, that's taking Stephen Book's class totally debunked that because um, in his class, which was a lot of improvisation, we had to get really good at pantomime because acting is behaving. So, you know, so it makes a lot of sense for you to, if you're really concentrating on what you're doing, it gives you a focus. And I booked jobs by constant, by being really specific about my behavior in the audition, because I was doing something. I was taking the focus off of, look at me, look at me, look at me into, I have a life going on here. And so, you know, that was thrown out the window. 
you know, find what works for you and and explore another one. So last question, you touched on this a little bit. What would you have told yourself when you were starting out? Sometimes these things are just things you have to experience because somebody can tell you and until you learn it yourself, you don't really get it. But I think it is this sense of hierarchy, this sense of hierarchy uh, of um, of thinking that somebody is more powerful or, or or because they're more powerful that they're they're better than I am or that somebody is lesser than I am sometimes the in, the industry certainly exacerbates that but um, I think we're in a new age and I think that your generation I think there's all, there is such possibility because um, and the Me Too movement has has helped that I think you know with and producers like Jill Soloway for example you know when she works when she was working on the set of Transparent she had everybody everybody cast crew stand-ins background everybody would gather together in a circle before they started Aww. so that there's no hierarchy because one thing that drives me crazy is to be on a set where. Um, uh, background actors are diminished. Mm-hmm. They work hard. Where, where you can see that hierarchy and it's not a pleasant place to be. So when we can tell ourselves that, when we can really instill that in ourselves, we can bring that to uh, whatever project that we're, we're working on. That's what I would try to do differently. I love that about Transparent. It's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. She's great. Yeah, she is great. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rebecca. This was amazing. Oh, my pleasure, Sage. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to follow the podcast on Instagram at Sage May Speaks and be sure to give a rate on whatever platform you're listening on. Next week, I'll be with Juan Reedinger.